speaking the word, and uh, had my coffee, had my donuts in Sunday school, so, you know, I got a little, a little pep to my step this morning, but um, we've been going through the series, Eternal Investments, and we've been talking about um, what investments really matter, uh, not the ones necessarily that will stay here on earth, but the ones that will go on for eternity. And uh, Pastor Matt did a great job last week of explaining what the tithe was and how we we're to bring that to the church. And so this week I'm going to be speaking on what next after the tithe? What is the extra that we are uh, called to give, also known as generosity? And so the title for my message today is, What is Our Eternal Return on Investment? Eternal Return on Investment. I highly encourage you, if you got a pen, lipstick, mascara, anything you got to write down, pull it out, and uh, take some notes because um, I believe God has something for us this morning. Let's pray before we get started. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you so much that we get to come here and we get to worship you and honor you, God. Thank you so much for uh, bringing us all here safely, Lord. I pray that you would just uh, use your word to accomplish much, God, and that um, just us and and everything that we do is nothing but with you, uh, everything is possible. Lord, I pray that you'd keep everyone on the Cavs team healthy and uh, bring home the championship, bring the hope back to Cleveland. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I was going to pray for the Canton Charge or the Lake Erie Monsters, but one step at a time. Before I continue, children, will you please be dismissed? I got the note, I got the reminder, and I almost forgot again. So that's what happens when you turn 30. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 6. John, chapter 6. If you don't know where that is, punch your neighbor in the arm and say, help me find John, chapter 6. And uh, we'll go from there. Now, we're talking about eternal return on investments. How many business majors do I have in here? You went to college, you were a business major. Awesome, awesome. I'm right there with you. I was a business minor and uh, a uh, practical theology major, but I took classes like accounting for non-accountants, stuff like that, just to get by, to know enough about business, but not to do anything per se with business. So if you got any business plans, propositions, come talk to me. Um, I'll try and help you out as best as I can. But I learned a lot about business, actually, from a show called Shark Tank. How many of you guys have ever seen Shark Tank? Isn't that a great show? Why can't I invent something like that? Every time I look at some of these things, I'm like, what? I could have thought about that. I could have thought about this. One of them was this. It almost looked like a bib for guys. And what you did was you put the bib on and you stuck it to the mirror. It had two little suction cups. You stuck it to the mirror and you could shave. And the hair would just fall into that bib. Wives, ladies, you, isn't that great? No clogged drains? And stuff like that. I'm just sitting here looking at some of these people going, I could have thought about that. I could have been on Shark Tank. Well, anyways, here's what Shark Tank is if you don't know. It's entrepreneurs that come in and they try and sell a product. They try to sell something to these investors so that the investors can then invest in their product. So a bib for guys when they shave or uh, 
I don't know, crazy stuff. I mean, full-on adult, you know, theme parks and cars, and you can get a zip line in your backyard and anything and everything possible. And there's different investors. Mark Cuban, he's the uh, coach, uh, the manager, the owner of the Dallas Mavs. Uh, you have uh, Draymond. You have some clothing um, experts. You have some online shopping. Uh, who, who likes to shop online on TV? The TV online shopping. They could, I mean, I literally have to turn it off or I will buy everything that they sell. They pitch it so well. You're just like, what? I need that in my life. Stacey's like, no, you don't need that. It costs twice as much to ship as the product actually costs. And so there's different experts, and the entrepreneurs come in, and, and they try and have these investors invest in their products. Now, the investors have to look at, what is my time and my money going to cost to invest in this? Will I get that money back? Will I get a profit? Will I get money? Will I get a return on my investment, right? Right? Because if you're, if you're giving this money to these people, $250,000, $500,000, million, whatever it is, you want something back for that, don't you? You want a return on that time and money. You didn't just have that money come in out of nowhere. You worked hard for it, right? And so they're trying to, uh, to say, hey, why don't you invest in this company? Give me the $250,000 and you'll make your share, you'll make your return on your investment. Now today we're talking about eternal return on investments and we're called to be generous. And being generous has eternal return on investments. Everyone in John chapter 6? All right. Here we go. We're going to read John chapter 6. Many of you guys who have grown up in church know this story. Some of you haven't grown up in church, you still know about this story, but this is a word today for people who maybe this is your first time joining us this morning or your 25th hundredth time of joining us this morning. Everyone ready? Okay, let's go. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. Some call it Tiberias. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, Where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother Simon Peter, said, There's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread and having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. The people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done. They said, this is the prophet for sure, God's prophet right here in Galilee. Jesus saw that in their enthusiasm. They were about to grab him and make him king, so he slipped off and went back up to the mountain to be by himself. What a great miracle. And we're going to talk about this miracle today. And I encourage you to take notes And I'll let you know when uh, 
something's important to write down, or you can just write as much down as you want. Here we go. So Jesus chose to be generous. Isn't it odd? He's with his disciples. He sits down. He looks over at the crowd. And then the first thing he thinks of, gosh, guys, these people are getting hungry. We should feed them. Disciples are like, are you serious? Do you see how many people are out there? There's 5,000 men. That doesn't even include the women and the children. Some scholars believe there are probably over 20,000 people there. You ever been somewhere where there's 20,000 people? You ever looked out at the crowd and said, we should feed these people? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Now, the reason Jesus wanted to feed them, too, was because they were in this area where they had to go back to the villages if they wanted to eat. They had to go back to the food trucks if they wanted some food. There weren't any food trucks around where they were at. There weren't really food trucks. I was just bringing this into today's time. I mean, there could have been food wagons, maybe. So Jesus chose to be generous. His concern was, how will we feed them? If you look at verse 5, when Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? So Jesus is looking out at the crowd, wondering, how will we feed them? He knew the Father would be glorified if he did this. Because when we are generous, God is glorified. It says in the Bible, God loves a cheerful giver. And what you sow is what you reap. If you sow little, you reap little. If you sow much, you reap much. And this just isn't, if I sow much in the offering plate, I'm going to reap much. And someone from somewhere is going to send me a check for $10,000 because I tithe double this Sunday. No, that's not what he's talking about here. But he's also saying, God can reap much because of what we give. See, a lot of times we just think, how am I going to reap? But what about God's kingdom? How will that reap? If we sow little in the kingdom of God, little will be reaped in the kingdom of God. But if we sow much in the kingdom of God, much we will reap in the kingdom of God. See, a lot of times we just think about ourselves, don't we? We come into church and we say, what am I going to get out of this today? How am I going to be affected? How is my life going to be changed? Instead of coming in and maybe saying, you know what? How is God going to work in someone else's life today? How can he use me to serve to affect someone else's life? The kingdom of God, as Pastor Matt has talked about, not just our kingdom, what we want to do, what we want to be, how we want to gain and gain and gain. But what if we set foot into these doors every morning? We said, I'm going to be generous for the kingdom of God. I want to sow much because I want much to happen in the kingdom of God. Let's keep going because this story is great. Now, why is the Passover mentioned here? I thought this was kind of interesting, so I did some studying. And uh, it says at the end of verse 4, It was nearly time for the feast of Passover kept annually by the Jews. Now, this is the second of three Passovers mentioned by John. Only one in Jesus' ministry lands him in Galilee. He was at the right place at the right time. See, I was, I was kind of going through, and I kept reading, and I kept reading. The Passover was here. It was kind of 
It was kind of random. You just go through and then, and the Passover was here. Okay, thanks, but why do we need to know that? But the Passover brought Jesus to Galilee where he had to do this miracle for God to be glorified. You don't think you're in a spot today where you can be generous and you can glorify God, but God has placed you in your spot at your time for a specific reason to be generous, for a specific reason to glorify God. I don't know how I can glorify God in this situation, Pastor CJ. I I mean, I'm stuck in this rut. I feel pointless in life. Well, guess what? God has put you where you are right now for a specific purpose. Students, God has put you at your school for a specific reason. College students, God has put you at your specific college for a reason. Parents, God has made you parents of your children for a specific reason. So don't ever feel like you're out of the loop or, oh, I don't know, you know, what's going on here? How can I be generous here? How can I be generous there? The Passover put Jesus right where he needed to be at that time to glorify God and do that miracle. That was free, by the way. I didn't charge you guys for that one. Jesus sees the need even if we don't want to. See, it's funny, he used his disciples. So he told everyone, sit down on the grass while we, uh, while we feed you guys. Now, Jesus could have snapped his fingers. He could have waved his hands in the air, raised them like he just didn't care. He could have done a little dance. He could have spoken the word. He could have sneezed. He could have done whatever, and boom, the food would have been there. It could have appeared right in the people's laps if he wanted to, right? But here's something funny. It says he used the disciples here. He didn't need them, but he still used them. He doesn't need us to be generous. He doesn't need us to help out. God can do what he wants at the snap of a finger. But he picked the disciples and he said, I want you to help me with this miracle. I want you to help me. Be generous. I want you to help me glorify God. Now, what if we all thought that way? Jesus is doing these things that we don't know about. All these miracles are taking place in our lives every single day. We arrived here this morning. That's a miracle. You know some of the crazy drivers out there. That's a miracle. You're here, safe. You're in a house with a roof over your head. Most of you, I hope, woke up in a bed this morning with heat. Jesus didn't have to use his disciples, but it was a privilege for them to be used. And a lot of us can be used by God to do things for him, to be generous. It's going to happen no matter what. If God wants something to happen, it's going to happen. But if you thought the bugs were dead in the wintertime. Okay. But if God uses us, how privileged 
are we to be part of that plan? How privileged are we to, when we get to heaven and we say, and someone comes up to you and says, you know what? I want to thank you for being generous. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. You were used by God to accomplish his will. He didn't need the disciples, but he wanted them for his ultimate plan. Here we go. Everybody look at verse 7 now. Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. And if you look right before that, as Jesus asked him, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. But I love what the message says about this. It says, he asked Philip this. He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. See, a lot of us, we look through this scripture. All right, everybody sits down, 5,000, 20,000 people. Jesus multiplies bread, fish, gives it to them. But we don't really dig deep inside to see where the real meat is. And he asked Philip this to stretch his faith. See, Philip answered and said, money would not be enough. That was about eight months worth of wages of what he was talking about here. And it still wouldn't be enough to feed 20,000 people. Eight months of wages. Number two, sometimes we overcalculate, don't we? In, in high school, I never really figured out how to use a graphic calculator. And that was kind of hard when you were, had to do graphic equations. So I always had that regular calculator. You now you pull out, and that was before you were allowed to use your phone. I don't even know now if you're allowed to use your, are you allowed to use your phone now as a calculator? Sort of. You use it anyways. Okay, thanks. But I didn't know how to use a graphic calculator, so every time the graphic equations would come up, I'd just be like, eh, I think you could do a dot here and a line here and a rainbow this time, a, a smiley face, you know, draw a little whatever. I always got them wrong because I don't even think I, I owned a graphic calculator. I, we might have been a little poor to afford one, but I never got how to use them. The teacher would explain and explain and explain. And I'd be like, I don't know how to use this thing. T, X, Y with the graphic point here and, and the lines here. And I've, I have no clue. I just know how to type in multiplication, addition, subtraction, the easy stuff. I never figured out how to use a graphic calculator. And isn't that the story with us a lot of times is we calculate God by what the world has to say. We calculate God by what the world has to say. We don't have enough, Jesus. Philip is saying, we don't have enough to feed all these people. And he's calculating his head. Uh, maybe if I do 200 denarii, 200 silver pieces, maybe I could multiply it. And, and Jesus is just sitting there like, take a chill pill. Okay, you don't need to know what X and Y are in these situations. Okay, I got it. But Jesus asked him that to stretch his faith. How many of us is Jesus asking to stretch our faith? We calculate every single day with an earthly calculator instead of saying, you know what, God? I'm going to use your calculations because you always win. You're always right. 
I tried that one time. I put God for an answer on my test. I got it wrong. But God is always right. But see, the positive with Philip is he found the need. He said, you know what? I, I, I could do this and I could calculate this and, and maybe make this work out. But then after he saw that he knew it, it wasn't going to work out and he was going to fail, he just kind of sat there. He calculated with his mind, with what the world had to say, with the earthly things instead of, hey, you know what, Jesus, you're here. I've seen what you've done in the past. This huge crowd isn't here just following you because you look cool and because you speak in a British accent. That's what all the Jesus movies have right now. Have you noticed that? Wouldst thou join me for a cup of tea? You ever notice that? He's got that British accent. He's, no, just stop. Now let's look at Andrew, if you go down to verse 8. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, There's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Another doubter. Another doubter. See, Andrew found the solution, but he didn't believe there was a point in using that solution. He found the solution. Hey, I found this boy over here. He's got, give me your basket. Give me your lunch. That was the first part of bullying ever recorded in the Bible. Stealing of lunch food. What a meanie. Poor kid. Five barley loaves and two fish. He's like, look, I got it. He brought, I could picture him lifting the boy up in there. Look, I got it. The boy's like, I got my picnic basket. Mom! Some stranger has me. He wants my lunch. We find the need a lot of times, but we don't think it will make a difference. We find the need, okay, I need to be generous here. I need to give more what God has called me to give for that eternal return on investment. But then we say, oh, five barley loaves and two fish for this huge need? I don't think I can do anything with that. What's the difference if I give it or not? And we feel unqualified to be generous. It was funny here that it says uh, five barley loaves and two fish. They, I read a little bit, and they said that the fish might have been like pickled or something like that. That sounds amazingly delicious. Pickled fish. We'll have to, in youth sometime, we'll have to have our snacks. will be barley loaves and pickled fish. See how you guys like that. But barley back then was common food for the poor. It didn't say wheat. It didn't say sourdough bread. It didn't say rock knees rolls. It said five barley loaves and two fish. It's funny it mentioned that because a poor boy was willing to be generous. See, he was 
he had those barley loaves and he had that fish. And a lot of people were probably thinking, oh, barley loaves? This kid doesn't have any money. He's poor. What could he possibly do to affect this crowd of 20,000? What could he possibly do to fill this need? He was unqualified from the world's eyes. But in Jesus' eyes, he just had to be willing. See, we feel unqualified. You know, I don't have any money here. I don't, what could I possibly do? I'm poor. People call me dumb. People call me stupid. People said I would never amount to anything. I didn't have a dad in my life. I didn't have a mom in my life. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Maybe I was abused. Maybe I've had these depressing thoughts in my head my whole life that I've never been good enough. I'm unqualified. But Jesus is saying, you don't have to be qualified. You could have barley, wheat, sourdough, whatever you want. But because you were willing and you gave me those five barley loaves and two fish, I can do something with this. I can do something with this. He was willing. You guys think God can just use your strengths to be generous, but God can use your weaknesses as well. Why did God never take away this weakness that's in my life? I pray and I pray and I seek God and and all this, but you have that weakness for a reason. Maybe it's to help someone else who's dealing with the same weakness. Maybe generosity with your money isn't the biggest thing because, hey, you know what? I don't have that much money right now. I wish I could give to missionaries. I wish I could give to this, or I wish I could give more towards this. Well, if time is money, then how are you giving your time? How are you giving your time? How are you being generous with your time? I love when I hear parents of students and youth giving rides to their friends to to church on Wednesdays. Or some of you sitting in here, maybe you hitched a ride with someone this morning. And and I love that because you didn't have to do that, but you wanted to do that. I love it when parents come in and there's six kids. I brought six kids in the car with me today, or I brought two cars, or I had to ask the neighbor if I could borrow his, you know, suburban so I could bring 28 kids today. You don't have the money, but you have the time. Some of you being generous is one car ride away. You want to know what the eternal return on investment in that is? Is when the student comes and they get to hear the word of God preached. They weren't going to hear the word of God preached at their house sitting in front of their video games. Or or maybe they were going to be doing something else and were going to be distracted and didn't have time or anything. But you decided... God put something in your heart that said, I want to be generous. I can't give my money, but I can give my time. And because of that time, your return on investment is 
a student hearing the word of God, a student's life being transformed because of one car ride. Maybe you do have, you know, money and God has blessed you. What, what is your eternal return on investment with that money? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not here to twist your arm and to put up pictures of sad stories and to make you sob and cry so that you give. Because it says in the Bible, be generous. Decide in your heart what you are going to give. You have to decide for yourself what you are going to give. Because it says in 2 Corinthians that it will prevent the twisting of the arm. And the sob stories. Isn't that like us? We're not going to give until we hear the stories of people coming up here. And, you know, we need this here and we need that there. And and you give because of guilt? What if we did that with gifts we gave people? We wrote a note as to why we're giving them the gift. Sometimes it could be a good thing, but what if someone gives me a gift so I feel compelled to give them a gift and I write a note on their Hey, just wanted to give you this present because you gave me this present, so I felt bad. So I wanted to write a note saying that. Or I was forced. My mom made me give you this present. That wouldn't feel too good, would it, if you're receiving that gift? We have a uh, an event coming up in a couple of Sundays where you have the opportunity to sign up. It's a volunteer fair. You can sign up for different ministries. Maybe God has blessed you with talking a lot. You like to talk. You know who you are. I've talked with you before because I like to talk and it's been really long. And God has blessed you with that, with that communication, with that people person ability. What is your return on investment with that? Are you using the talking a lot to gossip? Are you using the talking a lot to make yourself not look so smart? What if we put that to use and we say, you know what? I'm going to be part of the welcome team. I'm going to invest my time because you know what the internal return on investment with that is? Someone walks through the door, meets someone, knows the love of Jesus is inside of them by the way they act and they come back and they know the true Jesus that's in the Bible. Not when everyone else has said Jesus was or not what they've heard from other people who maybe don't like Jesus so much, but they come and they hear who the real Jesus is. The generous one that said, these people got to eat and I want to glorify God. How's this going to happen? Some of you are one welcome team greeting away from being generous. One invite to church. I don't care if you pay for the person behind you through a drive-thru and give them a card that says, come join me at church this Sunday. Even that can have an eternal return on investment. So we have to see here, and we have to decide what, how is me being generous going to bring an eternal return on investment. The boy had to be generous, and we'll close with this. 
The boy had to be generous. He had to give what he had and trust that Jesus would do the rest. So maybe today, as we close, maybe you have to sit down and you have to decide in your heart, what do I have to be generous? Maybe you need to get out of debt as soon as possible so that you can do more with what God has given you. Maybe today you need to sit down and see what, how your time is being played out. Students, what's your return on investment sitting in front of the TV playing video games for six hours instead of doing something else for the kingdom of God? I like video games. I'm not saying they're bad. Like I said, I'm not here to make you guys cry or, or, or do this or make you feel guilty so you come up to the altar and say, oh, I hate video games no more. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying is maybe it's time we look at what we do here on earth and see what the eternal return on investment is. Yeah, you can have a great video game score, but are you taking that to heaven with you? Maybe you have a talent. You can play music or you can sing or you can do things. How are you making that an eternal return on investment? Find your gifts that God has given you and use them to further his kingdom. We're all part of this play. We're all part of this play, the kingdom of God. And we could be characters in it. We all have this part and God can say, you can do this and you can do this. You can be generous here. I need to reach that person, so I need you to pick them up and bring them to church. I need you to help change a student's life so I'm going to help pay for their camp so that God can change their life because they wouldn't be able to go otherwise. I need you to be part of the welcome team because you are so joyful and you show the love of Jesus in your life that could reach someone else who may be entering the doors for the very first time. All these can be used by God. But the decision ultimately has to be yours. refreshing word we've heard this morning because thank you thank you pastor cj generosity without arm twisting pretty cool huh generosity for the glory of god for the kingdom of god pretty cool huh for the right reasons with the right motivations that's that's heart stuff what God is calling each and every one of us to. We're going to take a few moments to have our prayer and commitment time here. For those of you who might be new, I'll sort of just lay it out for you for just a moment. Our elders are going to come and they're going to be available to pray with you in this altar. And we're going to pray in response to Pastor CJ's message today. But if you have physical needs, things that you'd like somebody to pray for you for healing, our elders are here to pray for you. If you are just 
needing God to show up in your life, and you, you just have to bring something to him today. That's why we open these altars, and we open them because we allow people to move towards God. And it's also cool we allow people to kneel right here because we're saying when we kneel, God, I want my little kingdom to serve yours. I want my little uh, nondescript, silly kingdom to be brought into the great kingdom that is Christ Jesus's. So we're going to pray today, and I'm going to open these altars, and then what I'm going to do is ask you, whether you come to this altar and kneel here or stand here or pray with somebody or whether you sit in your seat, I want you to do one thing in the next few minutes, and that's this. Say, God, do you want to make of me? Let me rephrase this. God, what do you want to do in my spirit right now? What do you want to do in my heart in response to what I've heard? Can you put in me a more generous spirit than the spirit I walked in with? Can you break in me any vestiges of selfishness that remain? Will you do that in this time, Lord? Let's give this time to him. Will you bow your heads with me? And as I begin to pray, I just invite you to come if God's speaking to your heart. You don't need to wait. You could be praying for physical illness, or you could be praying in response to the message, or you could just need prayer for anything going on in your life, but these altars are open. Heavenly Father, we ask today that you would mold our spirits into the generous spirits, Lord, that you've called us to have as your followers. God, you are the source of every good and perfect gift on this earth. Lord, help us be good stewards of the gift of life that you've given us. Help us to be generous. Help us to be willing to give up our loaves and fish for the glory of God and watch what you do with it. And Lord, had this little bracelet translated for me a second ago. I think it fits for this prayer time, so I'm just going to share it. La Fuente means the fountain. And this bracelet says, Jesus is the fountain. Lord, we pray today as we bring our cup of water to you that you will bring life and let it spring forth spring forth through our lives. God, I pray that you would use us as we turn over our lives, our time, our money to you for your glory. Just take this time to ask him what he wants to do in you.
Can we just sing that one more time, just softly, just all of us together, unified in one accord. Whatever you want, whatever you ask, our lives are yours, we gladly lay them in your hands, set revival free in our surrendering. Come start a fire and let it burn. We're crying out till heaven fills the earth. Lord Jesus, thank you that you desire to use us. Thank you that we get to partner with you in what you are doing on this planet. Lord, help us to walk Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, recognizing that you want to use us to do your will on this earth. That we are not lone agents unto ourselves, but we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And Lord, you have things to do in and through us each and every day. Lord, I pray that you would keep this in our minds, keep it in our hearts, until such time as we have the generous heart of our Father. Lord, we thank you for the way that you've spoken in our midst today. And Lord, we pray in our fellowship afterwards today, we would have a sweet time sharing and loving one another as you've called us to do. Dismiss us now today with your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.
to 